Welcome to episode 75. Today, Allison, Ashley, and John from Ready, Set, Co-Teach joins us to talk about their journey of becoming a team. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. Your beautiful smile, your beautiful life are waiting for you to shine bright. It's never too early or late to start to rise up and shine. Every cloud has. This is the first of several episodes where I interview teachers to share their journey of collaboration. The goal is to have different teams share and provide case studies to determine what worked, what didn't, and how they started. With this series, I hope to keep your faith in teacher collaboration alive. It can happen. I know it can happen. And there are things we can do to nurture the relationship. If you happen to work in a district where there's no co-planning and co-teaching yet, you can still sow the seed of collaboration. At the end of this series, you will also hear a conversation I had with one of my co-teachers. I worked with this person for two years and we'll share how we transform our fragmented relationship to one that was incredibly dynamic and affirming by the end of two years. The trio of Ready, Set, Co-Teach is here to start this series. Now, on to today's podcast. With us today is Allison, Ashley, and John. You know them as Ready, Set, Co-Teach on Twitter. They are of, of presence on Twitter who they are sharing as a team. They're not a company. I was like, oh, this is a company uh, because they have a little logo. But no, they're, they're a co-teaching, co-planning, teacher collaboration partnership in America. And they've just been sharing their blogs, their articles. One in particular that I love is about the co-assessment cycle. And I interviewed Allison about that. And I was like, wow, this is such a great idea that I'm going to include it into my, uh, teach, uh, my teacher collaboration course as well. I'm going to include that. You have, you, all three of you have just contributed to the field so much. And I know that you're contributing to Andrea Huggins Field future, uh, Andrea Huggins Field uh, future book. And I know that you're just sharing how you do this and your energy and your presence with it is so inspiring. So I'm, I wanna have you on to talk about what was, it, was, what, what was your path to teacher collaboration? Because you seem like such a great uh, close knit, effective team. But first, let me start with, let me allow you to introduce yourself to the audience. Okay, so I, hey everybody, hey Tan, thank you for having us on. Um, my name is Allison Cottle. I am the ESL teacher of Ready, Set, Co-Teach. Um, and I co-teach with both Ashley and John every single day. And we've been together for about four years um, collaborating to integrate content and language. All right, I'll go next. Um, 
I'm John. I'm the second grade teacher in this team. And uh, I just want to start off by saying, Tam, thank you. Those were some excellent kind words uh, coming from someone like you that it means a lot to us uh -huh. to hear. It's really validating that for all the work, someone as prolific as you to say that. Thank you very much. And I'm Ashley Blackley. I'm the first grade teacher on the team. Um, Allison and John were co-teaching for one year and then I kind of hopped in the next year. Oh, okay, so you're based in North Carolina. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about your, your school context? Yeah, sure. So our school um, is a Title I pre-K through fifth grade elementary school in Wake County Public Schools. Um, our students come from very diverse backgrounds. We have about 27 languages spoken within our school. Wow. Um, yes. And we are right now labeled as an F school. They grade our schools here in the States. We're labeled as an F, but that's because not because of growth, but because of proficiency. Uh -huh. So we are, our, our students are not proficient, um, enough yet for us to grow out of that grade, but we are showing, we're actually exceeding growth each year. It's just, you know, working, working our way up. Yeah. There's, and there's a lot of factors that, that play into why there is enough. Um, and we'll talk, we'll talk more about our successes and what we found working with our students. But um, yeah, it is, it, it is uh, the year I started working at our school. It had the highest free and reduced lunch rate in the county. Wow. And you're in North yes. Carolina, the county, North Carolina. Okay. Wow. So yes. it's a high need school. Yes. It's a really high Absolutely. Need. Right. Okay. Well, I'm happy that you shared that because uh, I come from an international school context. And when I share things, it always comes from a very privileged background. And I always appreciate when teachers get to share a different perspective from uh, a different demographics. And we can see the commonalities between the principles and how we practice. It's very similar, regardless of how advantaged our students are or how disadvantaged our students are. So, yeah. And to put this into context for anyone who's eventually listening to this, um, this is happening right in the middle of the coronavirus um, scare. Yes. And I had a message from a student today who was concerned about doing uh, classwork without any technology at home. So even providing basic technology for students to even log in, that's, that's where we are as a school is figuring out how can we get devices to our students. Yeah, this experience really highlights the inequity yes. in our school system. And it's not because of anyone's fault, it's just there are not a lot of resources. And even if you give Chromebooks to kids, they might not have internet access at home. So it's just yep. really- and, and that's something we're working through right now with our county and with our principal. They're making great strides in trying to make sure everything's equitable for students while we're out. Um, and of course there's different challenges in every demographic, but yeah. we love our students and we love our school and we're proud to be there and teaching these wonderful kids regardless mm -hmm. of a grade yes and i i'm a product of uh public schools from from k to 12 i was just part of a public school and i know that the dedication teachers have and i know their struggles they have and i'm just at all when i hear about what they have to do especially when teachers have to drive between schools to to work mm -hmm. like teachers and special uh, assignments they, they have to run between schools because that's not enough uh, language learners in that room, that that school, so they're just moving around and like, oh my goodness, uh, 
So yeah. I feel I feel lucky that we are not in that situation. Yes. I'm lucky enough that I get to spend my whole day at our school with my two co-teachers. So. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. How did how did it start? Your collaboration. Well, uh, I'll dive into it first. Um, so this story kind of starts uh, four years ago, Allison. Is that how long it is now? Yes, it has. This is our fourth year. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so the year before that, so let's go back five years now. So that was, um, to, to give you context, I came from a middle school. I actually have a special ed background before I started teaching um, in elementary. And then I taught fourth grade. Uh, had a conversation with my principal. She decided she wanted to try me out in second grade, came down to second grade. And in that classroom, I had a lot of language learners. And for me, coming in teaching basic foundational phonics was, uh, coming from a middle school context, was just, uh, it was impossible for me. And I'm a math teacher at my core. I speak the language of math. Language to me, it just, it's all foreign. <laughs> so, uh, so I reached out to Allison all year just asking for help asking for resources and um yeah uh it, we were in a pretty weird situation um allison if you want to go ahead and share what it was like that first year yeah so we were basically um i'm trying to think we don't in our school system we actually call it um scheduled esl or in-class support so what traditionally would be known as pullout we would call scheduled esl and push-in would be in-class support. So I was going into John's classroom every day um, to serve his English learners, but the only time I could go in was during math. So he was in front of the room teaching math, and I'm pulling six children into the back of the room, teaching them something completely unrelated, just focusing on language. And we both, the whole year, just felt like this does not work. Like, it's yeah. not his fault. It's not my fault. It's we need to make a huge change here and what can we do to yeah. serve these children better right. because that and that's kind of when we put our heads together and said hey why don't we try co-teaching because mm -hmm. that's like your that the way you started off sounded like a classroom within a classroom yeah exactly it, it really was tough because allison and i both have very big personalities we're both a little loud and students who were at front with me with math would be listening to cues and wanting to pay attention to her and some students at her table would be paying attention to me right. and it just right. it made sense to just start putting the kids together and start teaching together so that was year one after year one or it's somewhere so in year was, one. let's call that year zero okay. year one <laughs> uh because at that point uh actually in that conversation allison and i were standing in the hallway and as we're having this conversation, our principal walks by. We're like, hey, this is, we're, we're surprising you with this, but what if we co-taught? And she's like, okay, come up with a plan. I'll let you, I trust you to handle it. Just come up to me with a plan, a schedule. And so, um, I don't know how much longer later, two weeks later, we sat down in, in her office, had, uh, Allison came up with a proposed schedule. This is how we would, you know, uh, build the class rosters, everything like this, we had already ironed out. And at that point, when our principal is a proponent of um, when you figure things out, she trusts you to handle it, as long as you're doing the work ahead of time. That's a principle I really want to share, because I, I see a practice, and I want to focus on the principle mm -hmm. that teachers all around the world could use. The principle is that um, if you want to do something that you need approval for from your principals, 
Don't say, I, we want to co-teach. Can you make this happen for us? You start off just like, what do you do? You say, here's our desire. Here's our plan from A to Z. Here are the details. Can you just please approve this? Because they don't mm -hmm. have time to, to process it. They don't have time to create the systems for it. They just, they're like, oh my goodness, I have to change two people's schedules? No. Like they're not, they're, that's going to be an easier task for them to say no than to go through the cognitive work and the time work of creating this for you. But the mm -hmm. principle is go create a solution, a package or a proposal, give it to the principal. The principal can collaborate with you and tweak it and then done. And then, and then another principle here is that you have, you had collab, you had so a supportive principle, which was key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yes. So yeah, from there, uh, Allison and I taught our, uh, first year together co-teaching. Um, that was a, that was definitely a journey, um, getting that a, a, an amazing year. It was the kind of year where it's like, okay, we're, we're going to do this every year from here on out going forward. And Ashley, I don't know if you want to share how you kind of got involved in. Yeah. So they had such an amazing year and I was, um, kind of part of planning with Allison their co-planning sessions and when that first grade teacher um, decided that she was going to leave our school I happily kind of ran down the hallway to John and Allison's room and <laughs> ball and told them that I was gonna <laughs> join the co-teaching team um, oh wait so you so you so it was just Ash it was just Allison and John first yes. collaborating in the school was there anyone else collaborating like this no Okay. And then, so Ashley, how did you got, you joined them because through how? Because I was co-teaching with another first grade teacher at the time who was leaving the school. Got it. So I knew that she needed another co-teacher and it just, I could tell that it was so successful that I just really wanted to be a part of it. What did it look like to be successful? Well, I was able to see the co-planning sessions and how Allison and the classroom teacher were really integrating the language with the content and how it was successful with her kids. And I did a lot of um, activities with my class and her class. And it just, you could just see the um, learning happening. Yes. That's what I always want to tell teachers that there's a distinction between co-teaching and in-class support. What Allison and John had at the beginning of the, their zero year, year zero was in-class support kind of it was because there wasn't any co-planning but the year they started co-planning and they allison became uh, allison became an equal designer of instruction and then she became an equal teacher even if she is not standing up in front of the class a lot or all the time when john is there and john john is using a document that they agreed upon during co-planning mm -hmm that is co-teaching and you were talking about the power the shift that we need to make is focusing on not just co-teaching but co-planning and if it's if you for example when i worked in middle school and high school i didn't have time to always meet with my teachers that was called in-class support and there are strategies you could do to make content comprehensible and language and you develop language but if you had time to co-plan that is called co-teaching and that's a really di clear distinction. And I, and I tell my teachers, okay, we're going to co-teach this block because I've already co-planned with you. Or we say, hey, okay, I'm going to come in for in-class support. So they know that it's not going to be really, it's going to be as integrated as possible, but I'm not going to be an equal 
design of instruction because I haven't had a chance to agree upon something yet. So I just want mm -hmm. to highlight that. That was a clear distinction. Uh, you know, I, I kind of want to piggyback onto that because it, really the success that I think Ashley and I can both speak to this a lot. And we, we say this all the time in our, whenever we're giving a professional development is that Allison has such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to language. Yes. And there's so much of that, that as a content teacher, I don't feel like I was trained in, I don't know. And I have learned, Ashley ended up writing a, a great uh, blog post on this about how co-teaching is sometimes a professional development for us. Just wa watching Allison teach what the language piece that we learn from that. We take yes. that and we use that in, in our math block and other parts of our day as well. So. I have to tell you, Tan, the proudest moment in my entire teaching career was there was one day and I had every once in a while, there'll be a day where um, I take for, you know, paperwork or I take for um, some other duty and I will not be going into their rooms that day. Well, this day I went in to see them both just because I was in the building um, to hide the kids and such. And I happened to walk into each of their rooms during math. And when I walked into John's room, I saw him using every language strategy that we use in ELA, but in math, gestures, repetition, uh, visuals, manip I mean, all of it. And then I was like, okay, you know, that's awesome. That makes me so happy. But then I went into Ashley's room and I walk in and she's using all of the language strategies in her math class and I'm going in my head I just thought oh my gosh like I'm so proud of my co-teachers right, right not that they weren't amazing teachers beforehand but seeing that and them take right. it and then transfer it over to other subject areas was just like the whole reason why I co-teach and the whole reason why I think that this team works is because we're all constantly trying to grow and learn from each other. Yes, yes. And that you you were talking about job embedded professional learning. There is one form of professional learning which is appropriate at times where we fly experts in and they come in and they share with them their strategies or their resources in the books, which is great. And then to but to extend that, what what we want to do is we want to have small groups groups of teachers working together. And one of the best forms of groups of teachers working together is co-teaching and co-planning and teacher collaboration. Cause it's one, it's continuous. So it happens throughout the year and not just once when the person flew in. And it, it's second, it's connected to the content. Whatever the content the teacher is teaching, they're becoming more uh, versed in it. And they're focusing on the strategies to teach that. And then they're focusing on the evaluating or looking at students' data, looking at the impact of uh, of the strategies on student learning and student achievement. And that conversation, that dialogue is where practices shift or adapt and mindsets start to grow and expand. Mm -hmm. yeah. I agreed, I agreed. So yeah, that's kind of how we got rolling from there. Uh, the success spoke for itself, I guess. <laughs> So yeah, that was a great moment when Ashley was like, no, I want to be the one. I want to join. We were like, yeah. oh, okay, so people are seeing that this is working. This is wonderful. Yeah. But it's not just the 
it's our relationship, but it's also the growth we're seeing, right? Because our principal was very open, like you said, and wonderful to work with as far as bring me a plan. I'm willing to try anything. But she was also a principal. So she was like holding us accountable. I need to see at the end of the year how this went. Make sure you show me. Like I want to see student data. I want to see growth. I want to see how it's working. And so at the end of the year, we gave it to her and we said, here you go. And she was just like, okay, like this works. You've shown me proof and to, we need to, to be very keep clear, going. She, she said something that we probably can't repeat on this podcast because she's <laughs> so happy with that data. <laughs> oh, you can. It's not a problem. We've, we've, we're very um, forward thinking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you would be too pleased with us. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. So then now where are you, where are you on the stage now? What's the next phase of your teacher collaboration? Um, So no, we had some professional goals this year just to kind of push um, my class specifically um, to kind of push us towards discourse because we were definitely seeing it more in second grade where the second graders were actually able to have a conversation um, and that was giving, getting them to more to that higher level of thinking. Um, so this year in first grade, that was one of our big pushes. Um, but because we're a trio, we've really been able to kind of work together and vertically plan. Um, so mm, yes. we've been utilizing talk moves a lot where the students are using gestures in their conversations. Um, they're doing, I agree in sign language, disagree. Um, add on and then they can post questions and clarify things Um, and honestly it's gone really well we've just integrated it in all the subjects that we can so because this is a podcast uh, people can't see your hand gestures can you describe your hand gestures again yeah so I agree is the sign language Um, disagree is kind of like safe like if you're at a baseball game it's not how you do safe John yeah so I agree just like this you just put out your you want to describe it? Okay. Yeah. So, so agree is doing your thumb and your pinky shaking forward and backwards. Uh, disagree. Ashley, what did you say? Safe on the base? Yes. (laughs) Exactly. And then add on, you're just putting your fists together, uh, vertically. Yeah. You're you're stacking your fists one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then for um, ask a question, you just put one pinky out and then clarify is a triangle. Mm. Um, But in order to really teach these, we had to kind of um, introduce them one at a time. So we kind of just started with I agree and I disagree. Um, And you have to teach them the sentence uh, frame. So when somebody is doing that motion, the I agree, the person that wants to talk to them has to call them by name and say, Allison, why do you agree? And then that person knows that I'm going to say, I agree because, and that's how you really get the conversation to continue flowing. You can't just teach them the moves because then they're just going to do the moves and they're, you know, not going to carry on. The and conversation. one of the beautiful things about us being this trio is everything that we do together as co-teachers in Ashley's class in first grade in my class, we are able then to share with John. And so John and I can incorporate it in our class so that we're prepping students a year ahead yes. of routines yeah. and expectations and yeah. things like that, because we are collaborating not only as 
two sets of co-teachers, but also as a triad. Right. And you're, you're, I love that. I've never actually heard of a collaboration that spans multiple years like this, where, because I work as a fifth grade teacher currently at the time of this recording, and I only work with fifth grade. And um, so if I only teach, I only work with the fifth grade teachers. I never thought about having fourth and fifth grade teachers at the same time. How did you set that up? So it actually was kind of, it, it, we kind of fell into it, to be honest. Like it wasn't a intentional <laughs> um, structure. I was assigned when we first started co-teaching to be the ESL teacher for kindergarten through second grade. So when John and I started co-teaching, we then thought, okay, how can we expand this? Then we obviously went first grade because that's another grade I'm responsible for. And then it just kind of happened that way. And it happened that these are two teachers from two different grade levels who were willing and excited to jump into collaboration. And so then it turned into, at first, just me and John collaborating and co-teaching Ashley and I collaborating co-teaching and then we quickly realized hey we could do a lot together as a triad and have this expand more than just one school year so you co-plan so you co-plan and you co-teach even though they're two different grades and that's really impressive yes and you, yes I guess I guess it's go ahead Ashley next year I think Allison's going to be adding on a grade hopefully so, so it'll be uh -huh. three grades of teachers working at the same time? Possibly. Wow. If, it, if we get there. Oh, that's interesting. I'm interested to hear how that goes because it, it, logistically it might be hard with scheduling all three. Yeah. How do you schedule time to co-plan and co-teach? We fight the uh, the... Every year we, we present a proposed schedule for, for us as co-teachers. Um, and the reality is, is our principal has accepted that there are times that me as a second grade teacher, I am not going to be following the same master schedule as the rest of second grade. I, my actual, my schedule is completely inverted from everyone else's where they're teaching reading in the morning. I'm teaching math first thing in the morning because Allison can't, Allison is, has other responsibilities first thing in the morning. She can't be with the typical second grade block. Right. So our principal is very flexible with us changing that time. Okay. Um, we we do make it a priority and importance for Allison to be with uh, each grade level this year. We'll see how next year goes. Every year, the master schedule is always <laughs> might turn our hair gray, but um, <laughs> she's with us once a week for uh, PLTs and she's with me once a week for co-planning. What's PLT? And, sorry? What's PLT? Oh, uh, PLT is our professional learning teams, professional okay. learning communities um, that you know, it's your network. It's your uh, your coaches, your your teachers, and admin uh, come in, and that's where we have those conversations. And bringing, and I'm going to kind of pivot on that question, this train of thought, because it's really cool having Allison there with me because it kind of builds that parity when she's coming in and she's they're asking the classroom teachers, what do you notice about how your instruction is going, and the language teacher is jumping into the conversation. Well, yeah, my, in mine and John's room, I noticed that the students did X, Y, and Z. It's it's building that parity of her and our co-teaching team in the entire school's eyes. 
and to have an admin sitting there listening to the conversation and seeing her bring in that it's it's just a really cool side effect yeah. i think having that that formalized planning time well and honestly to add on to that um not just for our parity my team in first grade i'm the grade chair and my team values allison as an expertise now and they are taking some of the same language skills even though they don't have the the l's in their classroom um they're still valuable to all these all of these strategies are still valuable to the other students so it's pretty awesome to have her as a part of that team as well it's a whole nother level of collaboration yeah you've touched on two things i wanted to go back to what allison said about well we just started with those teachers who were willing and that's a key principle like work with those who are willing and create the conditions for growth for the others. And conditions for growth, meaning like for those who are not eager or not who, who don't want to work yet, still condition create the condition for growth for them to want to participate, which connects to what Ashley said, where initially you it was you from the grade one team actually working with John and Allison. But then as things as you were sharing things throughout. And mm -hmm. the other grade team, grade one team members started to realize, oh, we could use Allison in this way. And so therefore that's creating the condition for more collaboration. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we see it, if you think about it, it's multi-level collaboration. And I honestly just thought this in my head when you guys were, when you were speaking Tan and kind of summarizing was you have your, your, kind of baseline collaboration, right? Where you're you're speaking with teachers, you're as the ESL teacher or specialist, you know, you're speaking with their teachers, you're trying to make sure you're aligned, you know, things like that. Then you've got another layer, which is where you and your co-teacher, so me and John, right, are collaborating a little bit even closer where we're like co-planning and doing all these things. And then you have even another layer where then we are collaborating as a co-teaching unit with the grade level teams mm -hmm. and our coaches and admin. So you've got this kind of three tiered collaboration happening and it's a really beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, really to, to, to one of the thoughts that you said about um, making growth for, for people who aren't as interested, um, I'll be real honest. It was a shock the first year Allison and I started co-teaching our district uh, does a great job. There are some wonderful staff members um, at, in central office uh, who do a great job supporting us as co-teachers. And at that very first meeting we went to, Allison and I were stunned to hear the number of people complaining at these meetings, mm. the number of people that were unhappy because they were voluntold to do it. Because yes. the principal looked at two people and said, you guys are paired up, now go deal with it. Yes. And for us, it's teaching with Allison is, or teaching with Ashley is just, it's hanging out with a friend. Yes. You know, it's, it's making that job so much better and easier yes. because, yes. I mean, we're able to target and, and have show student growth so much more. But it's also just more enjoyable because when something silly happens, you can turn to your friend and laugh about it. <laughs> yep, exactly. And it's like, I think being in that room together, it's, like we were saying, it's just, you learn so much. Like I have learned so much from watching the two of them teach. And then I've told the other one something the other one has done that I saw and was really cool. And then we tried it. And then, you know, they're learning from me. I'm learning from them. 
And it's like just a, it's constantly growing because you're able to be reflective about your, not only your own practice, but your co-teachers and then hear what their feedback on, you know, what's happening. And it's, it's really um, interesting to really go through the whole cycle with fidelity and see the growth, not only the students are making, but that professionally we are making as yeah. teachers together. Yeah. That seems to be the theme throughout this episode where you're talking about, it's not just great for kids, but it's mm -hmm. great for me as a professional, as I'm learning, I would say the same thing. The listeners know that I am the co-teacher that I am now is not the co-teacher that I was before because the co-teacher I was before was ready to take kids out and say, what's your content? Oh, you're learning about migration. Okay. I'll pull them out into my own little room in the library and I'll teach them about migration in my easy way of doing it. Until the teacher was like, no, you're going to keep them inside because we don't have ways to do that. So you're going to keep them inside and you're going to figure this out with me, how to teach that kid the same grade level content as everyone else. And I was like, absolutely. You don't want me to pull them out and teach them the colors of the rainbow. Like, no, <laughs> we're going to keep them inside. And like that, and that's why I would say that I'm a better teacher because of my, the books that I read, the kids that I work with and the teachers that have collaborated with me. And that's what you're saying about job professional development. And, that goes back to the layering of what you're talking about, Allison, in the beginning. I drew a picture of a cake where it's the layers, where yet your foundational team is the team that you're working with. But the but the next layer of the team is the department that they're working with. As you share your ideas, they're going to share their ideas, those ideas, with the department. And then the ne next one is you're going to, as a department, you're going to possibly share with your leadership team. And your leadership team is going to see collaboration in a different way. So it's really job embedded professional learning for the team, the department, and for the administration as a whole. And I, I think to add to what John talked about, the clear differences between why teachers were complaining at central office was because they were, there's a difference between being voluntold and volunteering. And so in many situations, I, in, in my, in my teaching career, in my teaching experience, co-teacher uh, co collaborating, I have been usually assigned. And some teachers are not happy with that. And some teachers are really happy with that. But I just recommend for teachers who are assigned that they create the conditions for growth. That's, that's from Sir Ken Robinson. And he says, we cannot make a plant grow, but we can create the conditions for growth. And this means always being gentle, being kind, saying yes, and never, never coming to co-planning co meetings as a one-way evaluation of someone else's teaching practice. And so that's- Probably the best, the best thing that I've taken from working with other teachers so closely is to always assume positive intent. Yes. Because it's so easy, especially if you don't know someone on a personal level, which obviously we are, really support the idea of everyone building a strong relationship with their co-teacher for a multitude of reasons, but it's definitely way easier and you will get along so much better and you will feel just better about the situation if you yes. always assume positive intent. Yes. And that positive intent means always starting with the relationship first, nurturing the relationship mm -hmm. first before getting to the instructional strategies and the instructional practices. And like you have to make your, co-teachers feel comfortable and valued, seen, and not threatened. 
And so, so that those things we do are, are the conditions for growth. For example, something simple as like being careful with the words, the way we use the words better or more or less. So when you come to a meeting, you know, you, you want to not say, well, let's do, uh, if we do this, it's a better idea if, or let's do less of this, or let's do more of that. Because they can really hear the language. If we're saying, let's have um, less teacher talk, they're going to hear that as, you think I talk too much. Instead, we say, what are your ideas about how we can make kids interactive? How, how can we make this interactive for students? How can we add yeah. students? How can we facilitate interaction with this content? And so it comes a question and even be gentle with that question because they might be like, are you saying my class is not interactive? You might even say, how would you like to teach this part? In addition to that, would you consider da, 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 da. John, go mm -hmm. ahead. Yeah, I, I just wanted to share that um, that that all really starts within the first few months of your yes. co-teaching dynamic. Yes. And it's really, really and I'll share uh, mine and Allison's story is that uh, at the beginning, um, I didn't realize how insular teaching is. You are in a classroom with students and you're, as a professional, you are by yourself a majority of the day. Yes. And so my defensive walls were up and I was so uncomfortable and uh, weirdly apologetic about small mistakes that were beyond my control that happened. And I didn't, I didn't put down my walls and make myself open to improving and make and allow myself to be comfortable with Allison in the room till really the end of our first nine weeks together. And having those conversations ahead of time, having those those positive intents, or even just if that's you're you're comfortable with that, even having the the parody conversations. What do we want this to look like? What are your non-negotiables? That right. having those kind of conversations ahead of time, right. that is our number one advice to anyone who's starting co-teaching for right. the first right. time. And uh, so that that's a principle and the practice that I recommend is this. Do not go into a class at the beginning of the school year without having co-plan with teachers. Mm -hmm. My recommendation is because they're going to feel like you're evaluating them because teachers usually don't have other teachers come into the class. It's usually just an administrator coming in to evaluate. So they're going to see you as an administrator right away. That's the, one of the, my biggest mistakes. At my old school, I thought it was a great idea to come in to see what I could do with the kids the first two weeks just to get used. And I didn't cope playing with teachers. If I were to do now, my approach is I'm not going to go into the classes. You, you set your culture with your kids if you'd like, and then we can, let me co-plan with you to provide the structures that you're gonna do with the first two, uh, two weeks at all. Um, so you could do that. But if that's for a new teaching relationship, because you're not familiar with each other yet, because the teacher's like, <gasps> are we gonna, are you gonna take over? Like, no, no, no. So, but if you have a really established relationship and you've done this for multiple years, start off the first day of teaching together as much as possible. So those are the two distinctions. I don't want listeners to think, is Tan saying that I should sit, never come into classes until I co-plan? No, I'm saying with, with new relationships, don't do that yet unless they say, yes, I want you to come in. Uh, but first start with co-planning because that is co-teaching. 100% Tan, and we get the question all the time is how do you get content teachers on board because you have ESL teachers all over the place that want to co-teach 
but they're, they don't really know how to get somebody on board. And that's exactly what we tell them is that they, a lot of times teachers, and I felt it too, it feels like evaluative when somebody else is in the classroom. So definitely take the time to set that up ahead of time. Um, we even have like a co-teaching contract that we sit down mm. and do. We um, go over all of our routines and set our classroom expectations up together. Um, so in um, contrast to waiting two weeks, that's another idea that co-teachers could do. Um, and then go ahead and co-plan and go in day one. That way you're both coming up with the expectations right. and you don't have anything right. that might bother you that the kids are allowed to do. Right that the homeroom teacher allows right. um i don't know just a suggestion yeah because you need to be on the same page mm -hmm. yeah right so now we're heading towards the end of the podcast what after four years of collaboration three or four years depending upon the relationship what are, what is your biggest takeaway from this experience for collaborating Mine, i'll start if you want me to so my biggest takeaway personally is just honestly two words better together. Yeah. I mean, it is a situation where you're taking two experts and you're putting them together and they are enriching the teaching and learning together that's happening in that classroom. And I've always told every, I've always told anyone who's asked me that I feel like I've always been a good ESL teacher, but I don't think I was a great ESL teacher until I started te co-teaching yes. with these two. Yes. That, can you talk more yeah. about that? Why do you feel like you're a better ESL teacher now since you've taught teaching together? Because instead of separating kids from content yes. in order to teach them language, we're teaching them language through content, which is authentic learning experiences with their peers, with models that they are able to um, use as, you know, to set personal goals and there is no gap between the content and the language. It's all interwoven right. Right. and it's allowing students right. to access content that they would never have been able to access before. Right. It's you're saying basically it's our answer to how do we provide inclusive education? Absolutely. Equitable education for kids. Cause we were moving towards away from warehousing kids Mm -hmm. to integrating them in yeah for me my takeaway is that there you cannot teach content without teaching the language yes. because they they can't access it unless you have that right. so for me i'm now a better content teacher because i have the ability to employ uh, strategies that are going to get my kids to the content right. and you cannot teach <laughs> content smart. without language Mm -hmm. So you can't teach right. language without content and content without language. It's like content is the in-breath and language is the out-breath. Right. You can't do one or the either. You can't just hold your breath without breathing in. And you can't just breathe out without breathing in. So I love that analogy. I love it. Yeah. But when I share that, teachers, it makes sense for teachers. They're like, oh, oh, yeah. They work together. Mm -hmm. They look really different, but they work together in a system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I will kind of, there was a different element of Allison's amazing answer that, that I kind of responded with. Um, it was, 
for me, that 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 better together piece. Mm. I am such a stronger teacher than I ever was before co-teaching. Um, there, and I need to find this. Uh, someone, a college professor, once said to me that uh, everyone talks about the the number one thing that makes a student successful is the teacher that's in the classroom with yes. that student. Yes. Uh, but what we don't talk about is what is the number one thing that makes a teacher successful? Mm. And that actually is the relationship and the team of teachers that that teacher is working with. Yes. And I am strong because my co-teachers are strong. I am strong because of my work with them and they have made me a better me. And if I stopped working at my school today and went to a different school, I would be better because of that time spent with them. Yes. Yes. And you're going to be, and go ahead. Sorry, you're going to be looking for opportunities to collaborate as well with future teams as well, because you know that makes you better. I'm going to a middle school and I'll be I'll be teaching uh, social studies for the first time by myself, but I'm going to be looking for opportunities to collaborate with my with my social studies department. Even if no one's coming into my class, I'm still collaborating during co-planning, and that's what I'm seeking. Right. Yes, um, and uh, oh, shoot, I just lost what I was going to say. Oh no. Um, I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, I it's no, it's okay. I, it's about um, it's about when you go to another school, you're gonna look, you're gonna be a better teacher. Yeah, I apologize. I have uh, attention deficit. Well, John, you you always talk about so John. When I first met John, he told me he was a math teacher. He mm -hmm. says I'm a math teacher, and I said, really? Because you teach second grade, you have to teach everything. And he's like, yeah, but like my thing is math. Like I'm my I feel like an expert in math. And I feel like John, if we asked you today, what do you think now? Yeah, I'm. I'm I, I, I am a, a teacher of a child. I'm a teacher of a student. Of and I, I have to teach everything. You know, I, I teach language just as well as I teach math. And one of our Allison is going to potentially teach third grade next year. And we had the conversation as a team of do I loop up to third grade because I'm I do have my background with uh, middle school. You know, fourth grade, but as well and um our principal said you know one of the realities of third grade is that at our schools that they're departmentalized you have your reading teachers and you have your math teachers i didn't want to I, I didn't want to give up either subject yeah. i'm comfortable teaching both subjects now yeah. and if you had asked me that five years ago i would have jumped on math and i would have stayed in math. right this connects back to your talk what allison talked about as professor all three of you talked about as mm -hmm. teacher collaboration as job embedded professional learning you become a yes. better teacher through the work you do with other teachers. Agreed. And I did remember my point. Um, I, I apologize for that. Um, no, when, when you, to tie this kind of this conversation together is when you have that relationship in place and there are things, there are bad habits that as teachers we all have and we don't really realize until our co-teacher can point them out to me. <laughs> yeah. if, if Allison, Allison has famously said at times, John, you're annoying me with this or you're doing this and you need to stop. And I, we're friends now, so I can I can take that and be like, oh, man. I annoy yeah. him too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there, I mean, it's it's a two-way street from both of us, but uh, even at that core, we're still trying to build each other up. That that right. that improvement never stops, even when you don't realize what what you're doing isn't helping. Right. Right. You're you're saying it's like a marriage. It's like yeah. they or I I tell my boyfriend uh, like. We are each other's mirrors. Mm -hmm. We can't see each other. We can't. I can't see my nose in the mirror, but my boyfriend can see my nose. And 
so what, what we're saying is you can't see what you're doing because you've in, in, been in it. But mm -hmm. when you have another person to reflect back what you're saying or reflect back what you're doing, you're like, oh, yeah. And like that connects to a, you have a really great relationship where you where Allison be like, uh, that's annoying me. <laughs> be careful of other for new relationships. Be careful of using that technique. Use okay. to be gentle. Okay. Only if you have like really great relationship that you can banter back and forth. And I'm so I, I'm happy that you have that relationship. Yeah, that's great. So let's we, we work. Go ahead. Oh, no, we work to get it. We took the time and the um, the planning time, the relationship building right. between uh, it's there now. And that's why Ashley had said previously, we don't do the contract as much at the start of the year, because at this point we know each other so well right. that we can just yeah. jump two right. feet in. The mantra that I tell teachers is about relationships. I say is every interaction is either a withdrawal or a deposit. And you cannot withdraw. This is what Michael Bono says. He said, you cannot withdraw from a relationship that you have not invested it in. So that like you can you can go back and forth the banter, but like, that's annoying me. Why did you do that? Because you've invested in so many positive interactions before that you could do that. And we, you know that it's a, a kind, joking banter. Yeah. But yes. if you start out with zero in the in the bank and you start taking that out like I did, I would I would come to co-planning meetings, evaluating the teacher would say, so why did you do that? Let's not do that again. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, I didn't get to co-teach with that teacher much for the rest of the year. That was my fault. Now I know to not evaluate teachers doing co-planning. It's about- You learn how to read people. <laughs> yes, yes. So on the topic of reading people, I share with teachers something called uh, totem words. In the Northwest and in Canada, Northwest America, and also w Western part of Canada, there are totem poles. And totem poles, there are animals in the totem poles, and they represent different things. And I tell teachers to find your co-teacher's totem word, meaning what is their word that connects to their soul? So for example, my one of my teachers is that her, her totem word is joy. So when I work with her, I always think about how can I bring the joy into this? One of my other co-teachers totem word is organization. So I make sure when I go work with her that I dot my I's and cross my T's. And another co-teacher is about uh, relationships with students. How can I work in the lens of relationships with students for this teacher? So when you know your teacher's totem word, you can work with them and they can hear your language better because you're speaking the same language. You're speaking their, their word that, that reverberates with them the most. I love that. And you know what's what's uh, funny about that is that this year actually our coach um, made us each pick a word and she put it and she made it very pretty for us and put it in a frame. And so we each have our word in our classroom displayed oh, yeah. um, so that we know all three of our words. Oh, well, tell us your words. Um, mine, mine is bridge. Mm. Mm. Mm hmm. Mine is adventure. And mine is embrace. Ah. Wow. Okay, that, these are really beautiful. Now I think I'm, I'm actually seeing different, those, those words show up in the way you interact and the way you, you come out. That's really nice. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, picking a word like that, we agree with you. That's an awesome strategy. Yeah. Not only to get to know somebody, but just to, you know, know what to work on. Yeah. Let's end the podcast with this, with traffic light teaching. You get to 
talk about one, what is a red light that you ask teachers to stop doing? It can be about teacher collaboration or it can be about teaching in, in general. Yellow light is something you ask teachers to consider or question about their practice. And the green is something that you're like, yes, do this more. All right, so we already figured it out. I'm gonna be red. Should we start with red? Sure. All right, so, um, so something that we would love for, for everyone to stop doing is we need to stop accepting exclusive practices. Yes. We need to stop as much as possible. We need to stop taking kids out of class, stop teaching language and content separately, and do our best to merge the two and and really focus on inclusion and equity. Right. Because never in history has segregation been equal. If you think about that in history, anytime segregation has happened, someone has been in power and another has been disempowered. Minus coronavirus, because social distancing and quarantining is not uh, <laughs> is not uh, segregation, it's social distancing. So yes, yeah. social distance, not segregation. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> Okay. All right, John, you're yellow. Yes, so the yellow light. Something have you planned this before? Uh, we uh, quietly may have texted and talked about it. Collaboration, during... look at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is kind of going to go off of the collaboration. Um, I had a student, I do Wednesdays after school, I do a boys um, a mentoring program for grades three, four, and five after school. And um, this year has been uh, a great year for it. Uh, but I had a student say to me, Mr. Cox, why do you always look so angry? And I, if you see my classroom, my entire classroom is decorated with Star Wars. Uh, when Allison co-taught in the morning with me, we started our day by jumping on the tables. I, I, I had a fifth grade teacher who, who made learning fun and to to the students that come out of our co-taught rooms, they they all come back every day after school on their way to their buses and will stop by and say hi. So I, I know I've done a great job with student engagement. So the one thing I, I ask teachers to consider is that your affect. Well, how are you presenting yourself to mm, your students yes, at school? Yes. Because I'll be real honest, about a week or two ago, that hit me like a ton of bricks when a, when a student said that to me. Because that's not who I want to be. No. How did, how did you respond to the kid? Did you get to talk to the kid more? I yeah, I did, and I said I I uh, I said yeah, I, I said I'm really sorry for that. I did not realize that I do that. He goes, no, it's okay. He's like, I just wanted to make sure you were okay, and I gave him a big hug at this point. Oh, um, yeah. this, for for more context, this child moved away, came back, and ended up being retained. And so this program actually has acted for a, he's one of the, 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 the children that we're afraid that we, we might lose one day, you know, the, yes. the ones who are going to fall behind, the ones yes. that are going to kind of tune out of school. Right. And this program has done amazing things for him to, right. to, to stay involved, stay invested. He's excited to come in. He invented a handshake for the club and we use the handshake now. And the district leader actually came in, saw it, and he wants to adopt it and recorded us doing it. And so he got all that validation from it. And so I just had the honest conversations said, do you think I'm an angry person? Do you think I'm a, uh, mean person he goes no and I said okay so I need to change I need to change the way I look to 
to match what you think of me. Well, that's so interesting because I don't see you as an angry person at all. Like this, yeah. anger, angry would be like the last description I have of you. Sometimes kids- He's not angry at all. That's yeah. the crazy thing yeah. is, you know, Sometimes so, kids crazy and fun. What did you say, Allison? Like, Ashley? Maybe it's because it was after school. Maybe you were just tired and stressed by yeah. the end of the day yeah. and you didn't recognize right. it. Right. Five, five o'clock in the evening, right. still at school with students. Yeah, that might have been it. That <laughs> might have been it. That might be, anyone would be angry, including that child. Right? Yeah. It's okay. But again, consider, you know, kids are incredibly smart. What they see might not be exactly what you intend for them to see. So just be yeah. conscious. Right. Is my concern. At least you had a conversation with that child and say, figure out why. Yeah. yeah. At least you were you were open enough to do that. So that's a mm -hmm. com that's a great thing. Um. So for green, are we ready for green? Yeah, we are. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So of course, um, this entire podcast was about collaborating, and I just feel like that's what we need to keep doing as professionals. And if you're not able to collaborate right now, figure out a way to collaborate, whether it's via Twitter. Um, or any other resource that you have, because as you've heard, it is great professional development in yes. itself. Um, it's highly beneficial for us. It's highly beneficial for our students. Um, and I see no reason why not to. That's, and that's what, I, when, you, when you said that, I'm thinking about districts who are like, they don't have enough money. They can't hire any people to come in but yet they can create structures for their teachers to work together. And Learning Forward, the association that talked about, talks about professional learning, said the, one of the best things we can do is have teams of teachers work together continuously over a year connected to their content. And that's what teacher, co that's what teacher collaboration is. And so thank you for sharing. And you know what? We're in a time that is unprecedented where I truly believe that we are in the moment where this is the time to do it. If you're going to collaborate, yes. let's do it now because yes. now we need each other more than ever. Yes, because this is all new to us. Exactly. Right? And we need to do this together. And so what a great opportunity. Every time there, a door closes and a window opens. So yes. Exactly. So I think this, open, this window is really opening. <laughs> I know, right? A little too wide. A little but. too wide. <laughs> Well, thank you for the opportunity to share your experience, to narrate how you started and how you blossomed and then sharing your principles. I hope, I know that I got a lot from this podcast and I hope that listeners also get a lot from this podcast. I hope you, I wish for you years of positive collaboration together because the more you write, the more you vlog, the more you share, the better we become in our practice, not the better. The more toolkits we have and the more tools we have in our toolkit. So thank you for sharing your experience. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for sharing yours. Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field. I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things that worked and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now onto our recap. 
So analyzing how their participation started, it began with a need. John had a lot of language learners in his class in a particular year. He asked Allison to come into class to help out. Allison then went in and pulled a small group of students to teach them, but things didn't work out as expected. The things Allison was teaching wasn't connected to John's math block. They realized that it wasn't working and decided to try co-teaching, teaching the same thing at the same time. As Allison and John's partnership began growing, Ashley saw how effective it was going and asked if Allison can also co-teach the following year with Ashley. There are so many principles from this story. First, if you're in the same room together, teach the same content. And if you're teaching the same content, then co-teach together. But co-teaching does not mean being in the front of the room at the same time. Co-teaching is not a place in the room. It's how we serve kids when we're in that room. The second gem in the story is to start small with just one partnership. Ashley joined in after watching from the sidelines as Allison and John were having a lot of fun working together, supporting kids. If you are a principal listening to this story, you might consider finding the Allisons, the Ashleys, the Johns in your school who might want to work together to pilot this program. Help them find time to work together. Better yet, create the time in their schedule to work together. Other teachers will be watching from the sidelines, and some might be interested in joining as well. The teachers will be watching from the sidelines, and some of them will be inspired to form their own collaborative teams. The final thing that I want to highlight from their conversation is the power of having the language specialist attend grade level or departmental planning meetings. Attending the meeting achieves many things. Language is addressed explicitly and strategies are shared from class to class. Additionally, the conversation that occurs during planning is one of the best opportunities for on-the-job embedded professional learning that can last throughout the year. If we want to improve our practice, it occurs when teachers work together to refine their craft. In the next episode, I have Allison Caudill come back to the podcast to talk about her perspective as a language specialist from this story. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode.